If you could turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Acts, we're going to look at um, chapter 9, and we're going to cover uh, 23 through 25. Chapter 9, uh, 23 through 25. Uh, and I will say, as you're searching the scriptures or looking um, at the screens up top here, um, we have been blessed the last few weeks with just some uh, tremendous preachings and teachings. And we are just so blessed at the sanctuary. I want to give honor our great youth pastor, Brother Brendan Fosdick, did an incredible job just a few weeks ago. He spoke into my life about how my response matters. Oftentimes, I can be a little negative, and I can look at the, the dark side of life at times. And that was just a beautiful reminder in the Holy Ghost about how my response does matter, that I need to be positive and optimistic in the Holy Ghost. And then, of course, this past or last week, we were so blessed. Brother DJ Hill did such a, a, a tremendous job ministering to us. What a blessing, not only to the young people, but our entire church. Last Sunday, he spoke, choose your destiny. We think that he was going to step in and challenge the young people, rah, rah. But no, he challenged me to be a better dad to love my wife, to set an example, to be, uh, to mirror the throne of God within my family and within my, my, just my neighborhood, my overall, my community and who I am. I thank you, Brother Hill, for that. And of course, Pastor Blaine, these Wednesday night teachings, Wednesday Wisdom, uh, if you have not tuned in online or been here, I mean, absolutely phenomenal, phenomenal stuff. Of course, a great preacher, but the, the teaching is just unbelievable. And these last few weeks, touching on fear and anxiety and what we all uh, deal with. And one thing that he said, he said, anxiety triggers two things, prayer or despair. You have a choice. And that really spoke to my life. We all have a choice. We are blessed. We are blessed at the sanctuary. And so uh, I feel in the Holy Ghost to speak to someone for a few moments. You see the basket up front. Brother McClintock, they taught us in Bible school, if you can't preach, illustrate. We're going to have some church this morning. Amen. Verse 23 says this, And after that, many days were fulfilled, and Jews took counsel to kill him. Of course, him being Paul, who was in Damascus just after his conversion. He got converted. He was blind. He was able to see. And then he started preaching in synagogues, caused a whole bunch of mess. And so, of course, they wanted to kill him. But their laying awake was known of Saul or waiting out for him. And they watched the gates day and night to kill him. So then the disciples took him by night and let him down by the wall in a basket. I want to title my message this morning, Find Your Basket. Find Your Basket. King Jesus, you're a healing God, a righteous God, a holy God. I'm so blessed and thankful for the presence that I already feel in this place, Lord God. There's, a, there's anointing of challenge. There's an anointing of change in this house. And I pray for the next few moments, God, let every word that comes out of my mouth presented from this sacred desk would be from you and only you, oh Lord God. Help us to leave here loving you more than we've ever loved you before. In Jesus' precious holy name we pray. And everyone shouted real loud in your masks, amen. amen. You may be seated. There's a popular documentary uh, series called Inside the World's Toughest Prisons. I'm not sure if you heard of that docu-series before, uh, but it is absolutely crazy from some of the clips that I saw. The, the host of the show was actually sent to prison for nearly 12 years for a crime he didn't commit, and, uh, uh, and then he was proven innocent and was released. 
And I guess he, he enjoyed prison enough or was so used to prison enough that he had a, a passion for investigating and, and visiting prisons all around the world. And he would usually spend about a week in there with the inmates, uh, uh, studying and learning the culture and presenting it on film. And some of these uh, incarceration, some of these prison facilities, uh, he would go from Africa to Europe, he was from South America to Asia, all over the place. And, and, and I'll, I'll be honest, I'm fascinated with, with stories and, and documentaries about prisons. Um, Raise your hand if you've ever been incarcerated. I'm just kidding. I've never personally been incarcerated. I've been detained in the past, not as youth pastor. Uh, but I was never incarcerated for a crime, and, and so it kind of scares me a little bit. In fact, several years ago, I had good parents. I was in the sixth grade, and I got caught shoplifting. And I, I, I was doing it for a little bit, and I thought, you know what, I'm going to... Uh, uh, there's a couple CDs and, and, and hats, and there were some jerseys, and I, I just kept putting them all underneath my shirt and in my pants. And before long, I, I was probably a 170, 165 pounds at the time. Don't laugh. And when I came walking out, I looked like I was like two, looked like a sumo wrestler. Of course, security, you know, they gagged me, they bagged me, they brought me out back, and they were going to arrest me. And they found out that I was only 11. And in Ontario, the Young Offenders Act covers people 11 and under. So all they had to do was call my parents. They could not arrest me. But calling my I asked them actually to arrest me and not call my parents. I said, put me in jail. Just don't tell my parents who grounded me uh, until I came to Urshan a few years ago. Um, but they wanted to scare me. And so they brought me down to the Ottawa Police Department. It, this massive police station, and they brought me in, and, and there was a, a man there named Constable Mouron, and he was the constable that would come to our school and, and teach us not to shoplift, and I, I didn't listen. And, and so the, my parents reached out to the school, who reached out to the constable, and they brought me over there, and so they put me in this, uh, this little, it wasn't a cell, but it was a tiny room, and they closed the door and locked it, and there was like a, uh, a screen in the window, and it was heavy duty, and in my head, I was like, oh boy, I, I never want to do this again, and thankfully, uh, I, I did not go to prison, but I, I would always be fascinated by different shows and docu-series that talk about just life in prison. But of course, at the same time, uh, I find this fascination too. As I'm kind of fascinated with prison life, it scares me to death as well, so I'm kind of weird. So I think how horrible would, be, would it be, and I, I would think about being put in this little cell and having my own um, little toilet that everybody can see me, and it, it was just, ah, it freaks me out. But free, what freaks me out even more is, is, is seeing some of the locations in, in South America and in Africa and in China, uh, the, 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 uh, the incarceration, the, the environment of those prisons, it looks like patty cake in comparison to what goes on in the United States, and it's terrifying. I can't imagine anything more horrible than to be imprisoned, especially... Again, those around the world, it, it freaks me out. But then there's another part which I think is really intriguing is those famous prison escapes. Then I think that's cool when, when they strategize how to break out in these prison breaks. And I just think how, how cool that was. And I, I was reading not too long ago about some of the most daring prison escapes. 
Uh, there was one prison, it was a prison facility for prisoners of war during World War II in Germany called Koditz. And, and, and it's the most, uh, one of the most famous escapes uh, that took place in that facility and by the name of, his name was Airy Neve. And his escape was particularly daring because he, he marched out of prison in a German uniform. So somehow, someway, he was able to sneak into a closet, get a German uniform, convince the prison guards that he was uh, one, of the, one of the soldiers there, one of the prison guards there, and he just absolutely walks out like nothing. And then, of course, there's The Great Escape, which uh, inspired the creation of the famous Steve McQueen movie from the 1960s. In January 1943, Roger Bushel led a plot for a major escape from the camp, and and they, they deemed it the great escape, which they called the movie after. And the plan was to dig three deep tun tunnels, codenamed Tom, Dick, and Harry. And the entrances of the three tunnels were chosen carefully so that they couldn't be seen by the guards. And the tunnels were dug over a peri period of five months. And Harry was the first prison tunnel to be dug under and it's just it's a fascinating story 70 got away but a bunch of them were captured but to think that they spent five months digging these tunnels and the guards had no idea i i think they 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 found tom but they didn't know about dick or harry and so uh, hilarious names that they named them and then of course but not i don't if there's any tom dick or harry's in the place bless you i just think it's a weird name for a tunnel anyways and then there's alcatraz the name of the prison itself was enough to strike fear into the hearts of, of criminals. They say, rumor has it, that Morris and the Alvin brothers managed to escape from this prison via a small air vent. Though officially no one has ever escaped Alcatraz on paper, it is still widely believed that Frank Morris and the Anglin brothers were the only three people who had managed to escape the escape-proof prison. They somehow found a way to break out of their cells and then made it through the roof via an air vent. And from there, they used the drain pipe to climb down and escape. Though officials think that they were drowned in the sea, uh, it is widely believed that the three actually somehow made it to shore. And that's a whole story in itself. And then there's another prison escape that was known as the famous prison hole. A man by the name of Choi Gapbok was a yoga master. He escaped prison by slipping through a tiny food slot. The space that was uh, the five foot four Choi slipped through a hole that was 5.9 inches tall and 17.7 inches wide. And somehow he was able to slither through that. And according to the Korea Times, he made his escape while three prison guards were asleep. And he left in a matter of minutes. And then lastly, this wasn't a prison escape, but it's a pretty great escape. Uh, a man by the name of Armando Ramirez is a young Cuban that, was, that dared to escape Cuba. Uh, and so in order to escape from his country, he hid in the nose wheel compartment of a jet airliner. Tiny little part right there. He hid in the airport and waited for a direct flight to Madrid. He ran towards the plane to climb over the wheels what makes this story more fascinating is the fact that he survived the eight-hour-long flight in spite of low oxygen and low air pressure. He survived it and made his freedom. 
In our text this morning, we find Luke's account of, of the Apostle Paul's great and creative escape fleeing Damascus, being lowered down the wall of the city in a basket. The story takes place just after his journey to kill Christians in Damascus. Few Bible stories are as, as thrilling as Saul of Tarsus's road to Damascus, the, the conversion into Paul the Apostle. Uh, it's perhaps one of the greatest stories ever told of all time, and we see him transformed from this hate-filled villain into a loved-filled hero, which ends up being one of the greatest apostles of all time. The interesting thing about Saul, Saul of Tarsus, Saul was a banner. He was, he was scary. He was for real. So sending his name Saul, sending that name, when people knew that Saul was coming, everybody was terrified because he was the Pharisee of the Pharisees. I mean, you send Saul out, he's going to take action. And of course, he's one of the greatest Pharisees, sat at the feet of one of the greatest ever Pharisees, Gamaliel, who many thought was, that could have been, historically speaking, could be possibly be the Messiah. And so Saul was a pretty big deal. So on his way, he was going to take care of some Christians. Now Saul was the kind, he was kind of like a mob boss. So he didn't actually do any of the killing. He would just find his boys. He'd be like, all right, all right buddy. give me your coat. Give me your coat. Come on, guys. Yeah, give me your coat. Very good. All right, very good. Dang, David, you're in trouble. No, you got to go stand over there. You got to go stand over there, Stephen. No, you're fine. You keep your coat on. You're going to get buried in that. <laughs> so then you'd hold the coats. And then let's do some drama. Take them out, boys. No, you throw stones. You don't beat them. You throw, you throw stones. I mean, they're about to throw them on the ground and beat them up. Yeah, there you go, the stones, yeah, and then just action, yeah, it hurts a little bit, and then you could do the, oh, I see Jesus on the right, oh, okay, but anyway, so he's, that's Saul, Saul was a pretty big deal, so when Damascus knew that uh, Saul was coming, you better watch out, he was a mob boss, he was, he was the real dude, very good, Steve, these guys did okay, they weren't too bad, but just holding the coats, but that was Saul, Saul had a, had a hatred for the church, he had a hatred for Christians, and he just, he had ice water in his veins. He didn't care much. I mean, he, he knew that they were liars. They, all of a sudden, all these people show up and they, they, they declare to be the chosen people of God, that they declare to be, you know, the true individuals. Of, no, absolutely not. So he went and he would attack them. Of course, he would send his people to attack him. But of course, everything changes in Damascus. That's it, that's all. On the road to Damascus, this incredible thing takes place. He hears the voice of God, and that voice was Jesus Christ, the resurrected Lord of the Lord and King of Kings. And, he th and all of a sudden, Paul is blind, he's on the ground, and then he has to spend a few days in Damascus thinking about all of the horrible things he's done. He killed a lot of Christians, but Stephen, Stephen, the first martyr, he was one of a kind. He was one of the best. Everybody loved Stephen. So for that to take place, it was a terrible situation. So I can't even imagine the guilt and the pain as he laid in that hotel room or in that bed and just thinking about all that he did wrong. He was the Pharisee of the Pharisees. And then he did that. And so it's powerful. And then he goes on, of course, to write all these letters in the New Testament. And his story is absolutely phenomenal. 
Well, we hear about this escape in the basket from Luke, and then, of course, the Apostle Paul goes on to write it to the Corinth church. He decides to write a little letter to address these super apostles, who weren't really super apostles, but super apostles who claim to be that. So he wrote them a letter. And kind of at the end towards one part as he's addressing them, it says in 2 Corinthians eleven thirty-two to 33, it says, In Damascus, the governor under Aretas, the king kept the city of the Damascenes with a garrison desirous to apprehend him. So they were ready to take him out. And through a window in a basket, I was let down by the wall and escaped his hands. He ends that portion of, well, not the letter, but that portion of the chapter. The chapter closes out talking a little bit about that, um, that part being lowered in a basket. Now, Paul, prior to this, in that letter in this chapter, he, he's declaring all the reasons he's a failure. And, of course, it's, it's, it's all sarcasm. He sarcastically brags. He pretends to brag about himself as to these super apostles, perhaps these false teachers, do about themselves. Instead, he boasts about the ways he, he has endured suffering in service to Christ. See, because the, the, the super apostles, they preached glory. They preached vision. They preached, I guess what you can kind of call the prosperity doctrine. That's what they were just doing, all types of stuff. Where Paul, he's like, well, I was uh, shipwrecked. Not once, not twice, but, I mean, you're shipwrecked once. You're shipwrecked multiple times. You have bad luck. There's something wrong with you. So he talks about that. He talks about how he was beaten, left for dead, thrown in prison, all types of stuff. It was just, it was a crazy thing. And then the apex of his humiliation, as he's going down the list of all of these things, really, that he's done to glorify Christ, all really the real work of ministry that he was doing, opposed to these super apostles that were uh, super comfortable. There was the apex of his humiliation when he talks about escaping in a basket. Now, he names all these horrible things, and at the very end, he talks about being dumped over the wall. So, why would he close out with that? Well, I guess, Dr. Norris, i got to put on my biblical interpretation helmet. By the way, I apologize. I think I'm about two and a half assignments behind, but I appreciate your grace and your mercy. Thank you, sir. We'll get there this week. Why? Why would he close out with that? Well, in the Roman world... This is interesting. The first soldier to climb over an enemy city, the first one, because of course the first one that gets over the city somehow is able to unlock the doors and everybody comes in. Something like one in a thousand of those guys really survived. Okay, it was, but the first one to climb over the wall and the city, if they survived, they would be given a high medal of honor. If I say it right, it was the Corona Smoralis, which would be considered the Medal of Freedom. And they would present that medal to you in Rome. It was a pretty big deal. If, if you go over the wall, charging, and you survive, you're a hero. The opposite of that would be hiding in a little basket and going over the wall the opposite way. Paul did the exact opposite. He got the medal of coward. 
Everyone puts their, their moments first, all the super apostles, but, but, but he gives a, gives a list of all of his favor, of, of all of his failures. And of course, instead of being the hero over the wall, he's escaping with the anti-metal of freedom. Well, it is kind of embarrassing. He's coming, they're going to kill you, Saul. Paul, what are we going to do? I'll hide me in this basket, lower me down. i got to run away in the middle of the night. It wasn't the most heroic thing to get out and flee. Of course, he's fleeing for his life. But man, to his super apostles, I guess you should be standing. And well, Those are the things that he did later on and was thrown in prison and left for dead and did all these horrible things, things that the super apostles never did, of course. But then there was the baskets. So baskets, of course, you know what baskets are. Baskets are, I don't like that one, let's do this one. Baskets. Baskets are containers of various sizes, shapes, and constructions. Now back in the day, perhaps most often, they were woven of fiber from leaves of palm or, or willow trees from palm tree twigs or, or from, from uh, brushes or rushes. And sometimes they were made up of a mixture of clay and straw. Baskets were, were used to hold bread to carry fruits. Stronger, larger baskets carried grains or, or clay for making bricks. And some were even large enough to hold a man like Paul. So he had to sneak out in this basket. The basket served as an escape pod. Escape pod is something used to get out of dangerous situations. In the Bible, an escape pod was usually a basket or an even bigger basket, which could be considered an ark. And Moses was, was put into a basket, right, to keep him safe. Moses did some great things. Paul was lowered through the wall in a basket to keep him safe. No escape from the danger through a massive flood in a massive gigantic basket. Because God does desire to keep us safe. Psalm 9:9, the Lord also will be a refuge for the oppressed, a refuge in times of trouble. Psalm 91:4, he will cover you with his feathers and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. So what happens is, is God provides us baskets to escape certain situations. Brother DJ shared a little bit of his testimony about being from a broken home and having that, that image somewhat try to haunt him. But then one day he found a basket to hide in on. And now we see that great man of God today because he chose to escape in that basket. Then I see my good brother Joe Spann back there who battled alcoholism for years and sits back there as a free man, alcohol free, because he made the choice to escape in a basket. And then we have sweet Nani Liberty who lost her dear husband not long ago, who still teaches Sunday school, who still works hard for the church because she will not allow her despair to divine who she was because she escaped in that basket. But here's the problem. Escaping certain situations 
They hurt. They're kind of embarrassing. So I see what the Apostle Paul is talking about. Because to take the coward's way out, the easy way out, that's what it would appear. Now obviously, if he decided not to go in that basket, he would have died and none of those beautiful letters have been written and who knows what would have happened to the New Testament church. So in order to escape in a basket, what do you have to do? You have to escape. You have to plan out. You have to confront some things. And some of those things might bring about a lot of hurt, a lot of pain. Now the outcome is freedom, but to get there you have to humble yourself. Maybe you have to humiliate yourself. Maybe you have to break yourself down into an area that is so uncomfortable. Because I don't know about you three with your baskets, it's a lot easier to be bitter. It's a lot easier to be upset. It's way easier to die in your dilemma than to survive in your dilemma because survive means scars. Scars mean what? You were wounded. And so sometimes it's easier just to, you know what, just let them kill me. I'm not going to go ahead and through this, but we have fighters, so many fighters in this church. One day I'm going to convince my beautiful wife to share her testimony at this church of all the beautiful things God has done for her. Um, she can come up here, baby. You want to come up here? No, I didn't think so. It's good. She didn't. I want to share with you the Reader's Digest version, okay? So my beautiful wife at the age of 16 ran away from home. She dropped out of school. She ended up getting engaged to a man who's far uglier than I am. <laughs> Praise God. She owned a business, some type of an excavation company, was making good money. But that relationship was extremely abusive. There was no room for God in that home. There were times where her mother would call her crying, saying, Jill, come home. I will come and get you. And she would be crying and she'd say, I can't. I can't leave. I'm trapped. One day, she decided to have some courage. She saved up a bunch of money. She might have stole some of the money. Who knows? She's repented since then. What do you need to get to Gateway College of Evangelism? At the time, I think the down payment was like $3,500. And that allowed you to go there and cover your room. I'm sure it's like seventeen grand now, but back then that was the down payment to get there. I don't know. Sister Jay could, could tell you what it is. So she gets all this cash. She calls her friend. And her friend picks her up in the middle of the night. And she stuffs all of her clothes in trash bags. Black trash bags. Jumps in the car and takes off. Well, guess what? The fiance and his buddies find out. So they're chasing him. Chasing them down gravel roads. Trying to get her back. Violent. They were crying and they just kept going. And finally they were gone. Literally a few days later, she grabs those black plastic bags. Buys a Greyhound ticket and jumps on the bus. And goes from Oshawa to Toronto to Detroit, to Chicago, to St. Louis, Missouri, and comes the Gateway College of Evangelism, where she goes on to get her high school degree while studying for her undergrad. They let things slip back at Gateway back in the day. She ended up getting her master's in teaching. She's a stay-at-home mom to two beautiful, incredible kids, three beautiful, incredible kids if you count me. 
But the journey there is, in fact, there was one point somewhere towards Windsor that she went to use the restroom and the bus left her. So then there was this really horrible truck driver tried to abduct her. But the other truck driver stopped her and took her to the border and dropped her off at that border Greyhound. Well, guess what? The Greyhound, it was, an, it was in the middle of the night. Randomly, some bus driver happens to drive by. What are you doing here? You're closed. She's like, I'm stranded. Says, all right, come on. Goes over the border. Of course, the, the border's like, what? What are you doing? This woman has no paperwork. And the bus driver's like, well, the paperwork's in her luggage that's in that gray, <laughs> that's in the Greyhound that's getting uh, at that border crossing area. So they let her through. And then somehow she was able to travel and come here. Absolutely unbelievable. I tell her she needs to write a book about that. Her journey of running away and escaping. It took a lot of strength. It took a lot of bravery. It took a lot of, uh, of dedication. But when we choose to take a stand and say, you know what, I'm tired of being tired. I'm tired of living a life this way. I'm tired of doing that. God gives us refuge from the despair of our life. Psalm 34, 8, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. Psalm 18, the Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I will take refuge, my shield, and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. Psalm 31, 19, how abundant are the good things that you have stored up for those who fear you and you bestow in the sight of all on those who take refuge in you. If our musicians can come, I'm coming to a close. Psalm 62, wait, trust in him at all times. You people, pour out your hearts to him for your God is your refuge. You are my refuge. You are my strength. I believe in the Holy Ghost that there are some individuals in this room right now where you've had those conversations. Maybe it was with a mom. Maybe it was with a dad. Maybe it was with God where you're crying and you're like, I can't get out of this. I can't get out of this. For the DJ, those tears, I can't get out of this. My background is my background. I am who I am. I cannot escape. The Joe looking at that bottle of alcohol saying, I just, I can't, I, I can't do this. But then in a moment, enough is enough. I will in that, go in that basket full of pain. I will go in that basket full of suffering. I'll go in that basket feeling embarrassed. I'll go in that basket in my, with my low self-esteem. I'll go in my basket with my self-injurious behavior. I'll go in that basket, but when you're in that basket and when it's lowered, there's freedom, there's hope. If we can all stand. I understand that this message isn't for everybody, but I know in the Holy Ghost that there are individuals in this place. Time and time again, you've went through different meetings, you went through different services, you went through different sermons all types of situations, maybe even that prayer line, but you're still holding on to things. Let me close with this.
the great Harriet Tubman. No better person to close out Black History Month to talk about this great American hero. She was a slave who managed to escape from her owners in Maryland and tracked more than 500 miles to freedom in Canada. She said, when I found I had crossed that line, I looked at my hands to see if I was the same person. There was such a glory over everything. The sun came like gold through the trees and over the fields, and I felt like I was in heaven. You'd think that perhaps what Harriet would have done was just go on and live her life up north. Perhaps go out in the beautiful nation of Canada, that railroad of escape that sailed, sailed her. But no, that saved her. Historians, which now believe that it's likely that she was personally, her was personally responsible for ushering around 70 people to freedom, her herself who was free. I do notice that when Luke was writing about that story of Paul over the wall, what did it say? His disciples, he had help. We need to be a church that is willing to step up and say, God delivered me from my damnation. God set me free. I'm going to do the same to my brothers, my sisters, my church family, my home family, my community, my neighborhood. And the time is to take a stand and say, I'm going to, not only am I going to move forward into my destiny, I'm going to bring others with me. I'm going to hold on to people and I'm going to bring them with me. So this is all I'm saying. If you step to this altar, I promise you this. There isn't one person in this house that is going to think, I wonder what they are escaping from. I guarantee you 100% that nobody will care. They will only care that you have the liberty and the sensitivity to step to the altar. Better yet, it's only symbolism, but if you feel the need, I want you to pick up a basket. There's only a couple baskets up here. If you feel that you need the escape, if you feel that God is calling you out of a situation that only you and God know, show them, pick up your basket and say, God, I'm done. God, I'm fighting. God, I'm moving forward. God, I'm coming after you. These altars are open if you feel in the Holy Ghost to pray for someone. I want to encourage you to do so. God not only wants to save us, He wants to use us. Hallelujah. Yes, in the name of Jesus. I call, Lord, upon every person in this place. Lord, let your spirit move and cover every person, every individual, whoever needs help in this house today. Remind them, Lord. Show them that they can't escape. You will give them the tools. You will give them the ability. You will give them the brothers and sisters to help. Because we are not alone. Yes, 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 yes. Escape in your basket today. Corinthians 10 13 the end part of that says but with the temptation also make a way to escape 
Your basket is there. You just need to get in the basket. Let God help you make a way of escape. Let God help you out of the situation and the circumstance you're in. He's a great God. He's willing to do that. We have to be willing to get in the basket. What a tremendous word we've heard this morning. Thank you, Brother Marion, for sharing your heart. Let's thank God for his word. Lord, we thank you that you have made already prepared a way of escape for us. Lord, that you have already set things in order. I pray that you would help us in the name of Jesus to follow after the lead and move of your spirit and the promptings and the touch of our heart that we felt here today. Let us leave here changed with a made-up mind. We're going to fight. We're going to do something different, Lord, and we're going to live an overcoming life. Bless each one. I pray this day. Have a wonderful week in Jesus.